the Sunny Studios, World Headquarters in Intercourse, Pennsylvania, this is Son of an Itch, with your hosts, Chris. We're we giving too much away that this one's about penis. And Mike. There's this thing, uh, Orcas. With special guests, Steve the Sound Guy, and Dr. Bill. We now join our infamous hosts as they discuss today's cinema pop culture. Frozen Two's coming out. What's coming out? Frozen Two. Dude, I was going to talk to you about movies. Let's talk about movies. Funny that you didn't bring up movies. Okay. No, I mean, okay, so let's go and let's let's dial it back, right? Did you like Frozen One? Okay, I was just about to go there. See? This is why we're friends. (laughs) This is why we work well together. Okay. Uh, Be me, circa 2013. Okay? I live in a two-bedroom apartment um, on Coronado Island. Okay? Yeah. Sounds fancy. It's not. It was a real shit. I was there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You were there, yeah. No AC, the water, the the shower spout. To my belly button. Yeah, it sprayed on my nipple. Yeah. I literally had to do squats in your shower. Yep. I bent over backwards. Like, I was like a gymnast. It didn't help that the water pressure was like a man spitting on you. (laughs) If that. It's like a. it's like a, a 65 year old man yeah, spitting like a, on you it's like a, a 80 year old dude with a swollen prostate taking a piss on you yeah, it's yeah. fucking horrible it was really bad but what I do remember of that time I had a chair we yes. had a couch we yes. had a computer yes and we also had a rather small TV it was like a 25 inch TV which for a flat screen is pretty small that is <clears throat> Kind of small for flat screen. Yeah, it was. Sir, it came from like 2008 or something. I don't know. It was a time yeah, traveling yeah. device. So I hear about this movie that everybody's becoming obsessed with, but it's not out yet. But everybody's like, "Oh, this is the best movie since ever." And I'm like, "Okay, let's give it a slice bread." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I have a six to eight month old. I can't remember. She was a year, year and six months old uh, at the time, Marilyn, and she would not stop singing this one song but she's I mean she's a year and a half old so it doesn't sound very good so I, I like look it up you know I, I hit the YouTubes because it's a thing that people do yeah and I hear Let It Go for the first time did you cry? slight tear and I look <laughs> over at the the woman who was at the time my wife and I was like I just this song speaks to my soul <laughs> Man, if you haven't seen Frozen, buddy, we need to get you up on that level. It is a uh, great no, I've movie. Seen Frozen. I okay, love okay. Frozen. Yeah, 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 I think no. the only real issue I have with it is that the dad was great like movie. the moose is great. The moose, uh, he's a reindeer. Reindeer. He's a reindeer. They're I different. Should know this. Come on. Out of all the people, son of a niche. Son dude. of a niche. <laughs> niche. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Niche first. Niche. Niche. Right. Niche. Right. What do I say? We can say niche. Do we say niche? Niche. 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 Same word. Same word. Is this like just less British? Okay, so niche is is it's old like proper, English. Proper, yeah, yeah. See, I'm very proper. Niche. David Attenborough would say niche. That's probably where I picked it up from. David Attenborough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've watched any kind of documentary in your life, Planet Earth involving a living creature, I used to yeah, smoke yeah, a living creature and then watch Planet Earth. Yeah. Da- yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was a dead living creature. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Heard from a friend that was fun. Yeah, but, from a friend. Yeah. Can't talk about that in public. <laughs> They'll get you, dude. Still legal federally, folks. Don't don't be. Well, I don't even know you're talking about. <laughs> okay. All right. Frozen. Great yeah, movie. Frozen is a the good father. Movie. Oh, and then here's some shit. You want to hear this? This is crazy. So, there's this fan theory. Have you ever heard of the Pixar theory? 
Pixar theory. The Pixar theory. I feel like I have. It's really cool. All the Pixar movies are connected. Yes, they're and in then a it's whole like, world. Of, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and the more that come out, it's like they keep running with this theory that all these movies take place on the same timeline. It's really interesting. But while that theory was brand new and a baby in 2013, uh, there was this other theory that came out once Frozen had actually come out, which I loved the movie. I went and saw it, I think, two or three times with my kid. Um, it was a really good time. I, I had a great time. Hey, you I had more fun, apparently, than she did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like going to Disneyland. She didn't give a shit. She was just yeah. like, okay, I'm occupied for two hours. Just for Mike, me, just, I'm like... Just Mike with a big old smile on his face in a yeah, theater. big, big bag of popcorn, yeah. and I, got, I would get, like, gummy candies. So, gummy candies. <laughs> they're big, delicious. Big loaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, was, I was chunky, dude. Don't lie. <laughs> um, still am. Uh, so, I, I, I read up on this theory... That um, uh, Frozen and Tangled were related. Okay. And so I started digging, right? I could see that. Okay, right? Yeah, yeah. Come out from the same company, around the same time. Same it's like color it's kind of like the Marvel theory, you know? Yeah. MCU. So it, this theory says that, um, and it's pretty easy to confirm, that Arendelle and. Who's Arendelle? Arendelle's where Frozen takes place. Oh. It's a town. It's a town. City. State. City. uh, Monarchy rules. Yep. Okay. Um, And Corona, which is where Tangled takes place, where a monarchy also rules. Um, They're connected. Uh, They're not far from each other. One's like in Spain, and the other one's in like Norway. Yeah. Air quotes around all of that. Yeah. Um, And the wife of the king. We have reindeer in the north. We do have reindeer in the north. We have lots of things in the north. Anyways. John well, Snow's in the north. John Snow is in the north. All right, what? So the queen <laughs> of... So many kings. So many kings. Um, the queen of Arendelle is actually the sister of the king of Corona. Okay. That's embarrassing. <laughs> That's Okay. Anyways, where were we going? So okay, so so that makes that makes Elsa and Anna cousins with I should put that on silent with Rapunzel. And then there was this extended theory. It goes deeper, right? So there's the yeah. scene in in Frozen where the the wave washes over, right? Uh, and we all know the deadly sea creatures in the world live in the sea, and also that the ocean is just inherently dangerous. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know about any of that, but yes. The deadliest sea creatures in the world live in the sea, guaranteed, every time. Well, that has to happen, right? Has to, that's automatically true, so I'm right. <laughs> so I know what I'm talking about here. That's what I'm getting at. Okay. I know what I'm talking about. So the okay. wave washes okay. over the boat, and it destroys the better part of the boat, but it doesn't yeah. sink, because it's just a giant air pocket, right? Resurfaces. Well, what if that queen who'd gotten on the boat to go visit the coronation in Corona. Because if you look at the timeline that the movies take place, the boat sinks, and then it's like five years later. Well, if you count the opening day of Frozen, and you count backwards five years, you hit the opening day of Rapunzel. Interesting fact. Tangled. From, from, yeah, from the Disney yeah, side. Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was almost like they're trying to like draw these lines together. So what if she was pregnant, right? 
Disney does drop a lot of... They do. They love their Easter eggs, They love man. their Easter eggs. Uh, that's why they got me by the balls, dude. Yep. It's like a vice grip. I don't <laughs> just, think I can ever let go. Just Nikki sitting there right yep. now. Yep. Just... <laughs> have you seen uh, Polar? Uh, Polar. It is horribly terrifying. It is not a Disney movie. It is not fun and happy. <laughs> oh, okay. He takes a pair of dykes. I can I say that? It. Yeah, is it 2019? A, uh, I mean, it's a tool. He takes a pair of wire cutter tin snips yeah and he literally is just like he's got uh, some russian dude that's like a famous actor and i can't place his name right now but he's got him like tied up and every day he comes in and he's just like ah! and oh. he like he just takes these tin snips and just takes chunks of flesh his rib his ribs I don't know why you not, did that to me since sorry, no one yeah, can yeah. see us nobody can see us uh, <laughs> he's just taking chunks of flesh he's not going for the full bone or anything it's horrible it's terrifying <laughs> Watch it sometime. It's it's a it's a movie that will make you cringe uh, really hard. Also, Brawl okay. in Cell Block, ninety nine. Yeah, uh, that's another cringy fucking We're on movie. So many films right now. Anyways, so the woman, <laughs> the queen, <laughs> back to Frozen. To she's Frozen. pregnant when she gets on the boat. Right, oh boat resurfaces God. later. What if they survived for a couple months? Because there's probably food on the boat that's good for stores, right? And they're used to traveling long distances on these old sailboats. The, the boat now with no sails and no way to keep it underway or in a certain direction gets blown way off course to around the coast of Africa, say. And during that uh, ex- expedition experience, all that jazz, uh, she gives birth. And then one night the boat catches on fire. And then they both have to leave the boat. Jeez, are and you going then, to Tarzan right and now? <laughs> then they row ashore in Africa, build a treehouse, and get eaten by jaguars. The baby survives and is adopted by apes. Right? Now, this was a fan theory. You're an ape. I am an ape. 100%. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Here's the best part. You ready for this one? Oh, God. I was just like, I was waiting for like some sort of like sign. Heavenly bodies. Is Thor going to tell me this is right or not? It's Thor. I don't know. You know, what, what, what is real? And then... The director of Frozen comes out and is like, I really love this fan theory, and I'm officially making it canon. It is what happened. Oh, Elsa nice. and Anna are, are the older brother to Tarzan, which makes Tarzan the rightful heir to Arendelle. So Elsa, watch out. Although it is a Disney world, so they can I mean, do what yeah, they, they want. Can do but a lot of people got up in arms about this, right? They're like, how can you make this crazy fucking claim? You are not the director of Tarzan, therefore you have no right to say that this is how it is. And he goes, actually... I was the one and only director of Tarzan. Ba 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 ba! Throwing up the deuces, walking out like drop mic. Hey, oh hey, Mike shit! It with that. Okay. And then the and boat then. sank because it was on fire. Yeah. And a little red-haired girl with a yellow and blue fish found it and got chased by a shark. Through it. Yep. Fancy. Also on that boat. No, not on that boat. Prince Adam. That was on a different boat. Sorry. <clears throat> Love Disney. How's your day? I'm a Finding Nemo fan. Well, Mike, it's important to have passions. We now take you live to the casting couch to learn about the adorable animal of the week. Time for sexy species. Coming in on the penis to body ratio scale. 
our first animal from Ranker.com. The blue whale. The largest penis in the animal kingdom. Measuring between 8 to 12 feet long. This animal, this majestic whale, has a penis to body ratio of 10 to 1. Number two on our list, elephants. Their penises measure approximately 27 inches long. That's a lot of weight. Ranking number two on our list, they have a six to one penis to body ratio. Now number three on our list, the largest penis relative to the body belongs to the greater hooked squid. With a penis so big, it has a one to one ratio. Its penis is as long as its body. And number four, coming in with the greatest back scratcher of all time. The tapir reigns in a 19 inch prehensile penis. Three to seven ratio, long enough to drag on the dirt and scratch its hiney. That was awkward. Back to the Sunny Studios, we find our house discussing the finer points of animal conservation. Hello. <clears throat> okay. Doesn't look so bad. It looks okay. I think I have to kind of lean like this. Okay. I mean, but this can, is a good volume. We can do some deep leaning. Right here. Right here. Get to know your species. Get to know your species. Mm -hmm. Don't look at my screen. Hey, man. It's all we can sit across from each other. <laughs> totally screen hopping. Remember screen hopping? Yeah, I do remember screen hopping. Getting fucking mad uh, at everybody. Destroying it. Oh, I was the one who did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those were the days, dude. Yeah, man. Destroying what are we, what are my little brother at Halo. Oh, dude. I was just thinking about Halo the other day and I can't remember what for oh dude oh it was great I was how playing. they ruined Halo 2 by making bad. Halo 3 yep it was awful uh sad day in paradise but uh this guy had a gamer tag and it was about seven midgets that was his gamer tag about seven midgets and I was like that's a fucking stupid gamer tag that is until stupid. he ran me over with a ghost okay and it said Mr. Chubbywood got splatted or whatever was splattered by about seven midgets. And I was like, <laughs> Victory's yours, buddy. Very specific. You win, you but, win yep. buddy. You win. Mm -hmm. So the Endangered Species Act. Well, just endangered species in general. Endangered species. Now, so this is my in the you, theme today. You, yeah, it's our it's our subject. Yeah, you could say our our topic. Go with theme. 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 Uh. Not a long list. What do you mean, not a long list? That's, I mean, that's my perception of it. The endangered, there cannot be that many endangered species. There's quite a few endangered species, brother. Mm -mm. 
Nope, don't believe it. To be specific, that's probably you're gonna have to give me a second. Yep, yep. So okay, so this is what I know about endangered species. There's California condor, the Siberian tiger. Tigers in general are the endangered species. Um, I believe well, there's a couple turtles. Well, it depends on what kind of which which. Who's endangered species are you talking? So when you talk about endangered species, there's multiple lists. No, there's there's one. No, it's the endangered there's species not, list. There's not the endangered species list. So who's who's making these lists? So in the United States, to qualify for, you know, federal money and whatnot, you have to make the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service endangered species list. Okay. Um probably the most respected species list in the world ours? is the um oh. no it's well ours no because ours has to go through a, a political process um whoa buddy did you see google's icon i do not mean to interrupt i'm gonna hijack the shit out of this for a second rugby world cup day is that, you're saying? Is that the fucking is today the world cup it is. It's opening day in the World Cup. Oh for my rugby. god! I am just ruining my life by even having this conversation. Oh right man, now. that sucks. Sounds like endangered species is gonna be endangered another day. Derailed. Derailed. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll focus. Let's bring it back. Okay. So I'm sorry. Multiple lists. Multiple lists. Yeah. Yeah. So we in the U.S. use the Fish and Wildlife Service list. Okay. That's the one that goes through our political process. Hops on the list. Does that you know, have to go through? Like, what do you have to actually Congress. do? It goes through Congress. Yeah, so my Congress. senators are sitting there going, like, yep, yeah, there's a committee, danger. I believe. I don't. I'm not. One, I'm not 100 sure how it works, but I think there's a committee that, that votes on it and then does their approval and whatnot or disapproval. Um, and then there is the IUCN, the International Union for Conservation of Nature, which is that is um, a mouthful. It's a mouthful. We call it the IUCN. That's not a mouthful. It should be the RUCN. RUCN. Yeah. People would people would respect that more. Uh, dumb, dumb, dumb. Tell me anything else. Say about that. Uh, anyways, it's like a global organization, and they have probably the most respected list, to my knowledge, of endangered species on the planet. Okay. Um, they do a global one. Okay. Um, Where are they out of? Who's who's making this list? It's a, it's a it's an organization. It's like a nonprofit, and they just it's a group of scientists and yeah. I see. There's a bunch of people. They have their own members who go out and do studies, and then people can report studies to them. So there's a whole way you can report. Like, hey, if you're doing endangered species work, they have a protocol that you can go through to report to them. Oh, so you don't um, even make necessarily have to be like part of the team. You can, to my knowledge, work. to my knowledge, that is correct. You can just independently work and, and present to them. I see. Um, Do they give you money for that? No. Oh, I mean, your money. Is so in the, in the field, in the world of science, um, you get grants, and usually those grants are brought to you by businesses or or private people, um, or federal grants, okay. state grants, yada yada yada. Um, and you have to apply to those grants. So, say I'm doing work on bees, um, I would be applying to a lot of federal and private grants and try to get money from the public or the pro or the government sectors mm -hmm. um, to to help me work, basically. So they, yeah, it's kind of yeah, they're all. <laughs> 
It get, the money can run out, put it that way. Yeah. yeah. This is this sounds like another argument, um, and I know this is something that you're kind of passionate about, or at least have strong feelings towards that. Um, bringing the private commercial sector into uh, animal conservation is is a pretty um, it's a it's a wasted opportunity. And I know there's a lot of scientists that say like, oh, you can't, you know, Walmart can't fund my research on the endangered Galapagos beetle or whatever it is but it sounds like you know really how much money does the federal government really want to waste or spend however you want to look at it on yeah it depends on what kind of person you are so like you know politically some people want people government spend a lot of money on their parks and whatever yeah i Um, went to oregon recently and some people don't want so much money spent via government funds um i'm in between i'm in the middle on that argument Um, where I think things draw the line is um, way derailed from endangered species. Um, where I think things drew the line uh, for me is when I was in college, I read there's the, there's a company called the Nature Conservancy. Mm-hmm. They ran or they were made by a guy named Peter Kariva. Kariva, I believe. Peter Kariva. Okay. Um, should have looked that up. But I'm 99% sure that's his name. Um, and anyways, he is in the business side of conservation where he um, has a nonprofit. They go out, they do land grabs, basically. Mm-hmm. They'll buy a big plot of land, mm-hmm. write a conservation conserva- conservation easement on it, hmm. and basically they can't use that land ever. They, they've signed a contract of like, hey, we won't use this land for ever. Of yeah, years, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they try to get it back to a... Well, if it's damaged, they try to get it back to a natural state. Um, you, they do, I believe, they do like trails and stuff in some parks and stuff like that as well. Um, okay. I actually like his business model a lot. Um, he gets a lot of funds. He does a good job. Um, not the best writer in the world because I hated reading his papers when I was in college because they not a good argument type of man okay um like is he like more bland and is it is it like no it's like outlandish talking? sometimes oh, like okay. um toots his own horn a lot in his mm, papers yeah. type of guy unfortunately like never met his minds yeah kind of do that right and he's in it so he's not and he's not a biologist by study he's not a conservationist by study like me mm-hmm. or some other people are mm-hmm. um famous guy his last name Sule. i don't remember his first, first name. name but he was another paper that we had to read and he's actually pretty famous in conservation i should know his first name and i don't but anyways uh last name Sule. he French. is a classic conservationist very old school conservation he mm-hmm. he believes that the wild is is wild it should not be touched by humans okay it should be by nature um we shouldn't humans shouldn't exploit it in any way shape or form that's morally corrupt very old school about it um and he goes that's basically like a john Muirism, which is going back even further to to the roosevelt days um where john Muir was uh, he was like one of the classic conservationists who who thought about that and he was very poetic and he'd go out and write poems and yeah yeah and publish them and um do his thing and he promoted nature through that way so i understand that side of it and and you know me very well i yeah. don't know if you know too many other people who like nature the way i do no or we consider them very like few people i can wild I can... i'm not somebody who considers human beings to not be wild i think that for conservation to work 
humans have to accept that we are part of that ecosystem environment in order to i don't know it's like it makes sense it's like telling a beaver like hey you just need to stay in your pond and just build your dam because you're altering that environment basically yeah so that's your environment and you just need to stay there you're not part of the wild. Not looking anymore. at the big picture of how we're all linked right. together, how the consequences so of frustrates me. Sacramento right. are affecting the. And the, if I'm sure, if I would say this to um, Mr. Sule, um, he would tell me, "Well, it's more of it's more of the morals of of giving up to capitalism in, in that type of thing." And, but I mean, what's the um, value? Do, does the means right. justify the end? Where to save an animal? Right. So where I come into play is, hey, this is. Uh, my morals would tell me capitalism's not going away. Our economy's not going away. No, it's clearly built one of the right. Our we're here. I mean, this flow. is what it is. If you can profit off of it, like Kariva's doing, mm-hmm. why would you not promote that to get to more people do? Yeah, if more people had a business idea like that, as opposed to fighting those business ideas, when in reality you're trying to do the same thing. You both love nature. Yeah. I just shut the. F- up and get to work yeah, would be my opinion on it i mean it's like um, that's like trying to tell two kids right them a, cu- a crown and being and, like and they wrote like paper. six papers going back and forth back and forth with each other like mm-hmm. just back and forth with each other and they're scientists who fight their freaking whole lives to get published in some of these like big journals mm-hmm. and because they're such big names they just kind of got handed these these journal entries that okay. just bicker back and forth with each other that's my other moral qualm with it. Um, and then on top of that, if I quote my professor, is these two gentlemen would go have a beer with each other and are actually pretty good friends. So even oh. though they're... So they're in a pissing match on paper, right. but they're, you know, hanging Basically, out. Basically, it's, it's, it's wrestling. It's TV wrestling, but yeah. in the science world. One of them's you John Cena, one of them's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, brother. You go, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Steve's a, I heard Steve's a big uh, uh, wrestler. TNA fan. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. WWE um, was like his, his, like, yeah. his bread and butter yeah. for a while. Told me. He worships at the altar of Triple H. Well, yeah. Bet you has, I bet you he had a mullet really the, bad back yeah. in the day, too. The 80s he said were Stone a hell Cold. The time. Yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin was it. Yep. So back to the, back to the uh, endangered animals. Oh, yeah. Even. What are, woo, woo. Yeah. We're rewind but how like what a it's tail rewind sound. i don't know yeah it sounded like a busted vcr dude. Uh, it's okay um what do you i mean what are we what are we measuring this from how are people gathering this information how do like how do i know that the uh the amur leopard is actually endangered uh probably because somebody has studied their whole life on that one damn animal is this like that whale <laughs> and, guy you were talking about yes yes for every animal there is somebody who loves it enough to study it if not more than one person you can find plenty of papers on the majority of creatures living especially mammals birds reptiles amphibians um those sound like the easy we're getting, ones to focus right, on right we're getting better with it insects are just hard to do there's I mean, so many on the planet that we haven't named probably half of them yet. Damn. Yeah, yeah. That's not that's not an over. And what's ridiculous is like the more the more I uh, hang out with you since since coming back from my uh, ventures, yeah, um, I'm realizing how many uh, insects are are like arbitrary insects. The difference between two different butterflies that I would have overlooked 
these are two distinctly different species and oh, yeah. are so individually named. I quiz my wife on, on our state butterfly. Do I, you know what it I, is? It's something about a twin tail, something, something uh, tail, dovetail, spin tail. It's a two tail, swallow tail. Mm-hmm. Papillionidae. Yep. That's uh, yeah. the fact that we have a state butterfly blows, blows me away. Yeah. That's a very. We got a state very, mammal. Do you know what our state mammal is? Is it a human being? You would never guess our state oh, mammal. I know what it is. It's geriatrics. Oh, God. It could be, based on where we live. Yep. Um, they migrate. No. Ring-tailed cat. The ring-tailed cat. Yeah. I've seen those yeah. in zoos. You would not have guessed that. Nope. Don't they have two rings, and that's why they're yeah. so named? Yeah. On hmm. their tail. Yep. Weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, endangered species. What What do we... There's. There's... I don't, I don't know how to say this without sounding like an asshole. No, sound like an asshole. Um, I'll, I'll fix it. Where... We have to address each other, too, do Mike. Do we, Christopher? Um, <laughs> where, where, when does a species become endangered? Like, how do I know that a species is actually endangered? Because that's, that's my thing. I'm like, okay, if there's 40,000 of something, that doesn't sound like there's a population issue there. Right, so typically, it depends on what you're talking about. Um, if you're talking about a species, it was like, like, let's take the passenger pigeon from it, oh, it's, yeah, it's been yeah, gone yeah. for a long time. Yeah, if it flew in droves of of millions, according to viewers, okay, um, many documented reports of it would cover the sky for minutes at a time. What the um, fuck? Are you yeah. kidding me? Yep, or nope? I'm not kidding nope. you. Nope, not kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. Um, in a case like that, endangered, you know, it could be it could be like in the thousands range or forty thousand, fifty thousand. That could be endangered for an animal like that. Um, it also you have to take into account. There's a lot of factors, basically, and variables you have to take into account. Um, how long does it take that animal to reproduce? How long does that animal live? How long is the reproduction cycle? How long can they reproduce for in their lifetime? So, like human beings, you know. Yeah, we only have we like have 20 a range span. that we. Yeah, every animal has that. That's not. So we gotta. You just have to know all these things. You have to know. Um, are they a widespread animal, or or they only exist in, um, like the, um, devil pupfish that lives in a hole uh, in between Arizona and Utah, and literally it lives. There's like one hole of water this fish is found in that we spend a lot of money to protect hmm. um maybe not a lot of money but money to protect we, spend, we, we are investing in yeah it. we invest in that fish um hmm. so yeah there's things like that now is there any moral um uh arguments against like moving that fish somewhere else and trying to get it to repopulate in a different hole well, I think they, they do get it to repopulate. I know, I know that, but outside. So they will pluck them, you know, put them in a lab setting or a, a tank setting, um, try to get reproduction, get more of those, and throw them elsewhere and, and try to spread the species. That kind of stuff happens. Okay. Um, that's part of the funds that go towards the Endangered Species Act is for things like that, um, along with protecting land for them to um, actually have a place to go. Mm-hmm. Um that's that's a key part of the Endangered Species Act as well. So uh, you bring up the act, um, federal government. Yeah, has that's rules. the Fish and Wildlife mm-hmm. Service list. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's up to like I know some insane number that we never talked about. Oh yeah, no, I would I would super love. I mean, if if you have that uh, 
quantified, that'd be super interesting. Um, that said, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's fourteen hundred and seventy. Fourteen hundred seventy. Indeed, animals. Mike. Indeed. In the United States, I feel like that's the total number of animals in the no, United States. No, no, that's plants and animals endangered. That's a massive number. Um. So I know a lot of people. Sorry, plants. Aren't I mean not, animals, but not plants. That's just that's just animals. Just animals. So uh, I know a lot of people are not huge fan, and we're not really. This this is not a political debate by any means. No, we don't get um, political, Mike. Mm-mm. No politics. There is a well. We'll remove names. There's a person in the United States government right now that is trying to reform or put some sort of new action into play on the endangered species list. Uh, he's just trying to cut funds. Trying to cut funds. Right. Um, which are already not enough. So, yeah, you can take that how it is. Okay. We're not going to get <laughs> too okay. political. Yep. Um, but yeah, yeah, they're not enough there already. I'm assuming that did, that doesn't warm your heart. No. <laughs> good assumption. Okay. Uh, I mean, do, do you think that anything good could come from it? Like, maybe people would start... Um, prioritizing different animals over yeah so i have i'm not a big fan of the endangered species that set up as as it is presently anyway the way it works is basically the worse off the animal is the more money it gets um along with some public perceptions there so if you're an animal that a lot of people like okay like you have a lot more people fighting for you you're gonna get a lot more money because people um, like pandas. Right, because people are fighting for you, um, as opposed to some butterfly or some newt somewhere, you a know, newt. that's not being fought for is is hard. All, right. um, All I have to say about that is, I mean, the recent developments in the Harry Potter series have told us that newts are really incredible it's a and newt. powerful. She turned me into a newt. <laughs> I got better. I got better. Um <laughs> So if if this is a if there's one takeaway from this whole uh, segment, it's that we need to protect newts more because they are good for the environment. Yeah, we gotta protect newts more. Mm-hmm. But for real, my my dream my dream environmental species act would have more of an an, an ecosystem um, portion of it. We don't take in the ecosystem of animals enough with the current endangered species act, and it doesn't set enough funds aside. Um, currently, uh, and I am, I'm not somebody who wants the government to be spending too much money, but there are certain things that are important in this world, and that is one of them. Yeah, I mean, we can't, uh, I think you told me once that there's like a, there's like several thousand species of bees, but only two or three of them pollinate the foods that we eat, something to that effect. Right, yeah, yeah. And, um. I could see why protecting those three bees would be rather important to us, um, but I guess looking on a big ecological scale, maybe you know if we lost like fifty percent of our plants, it'd be bad for the oxygen, whatever. Right. So a lot of people's arguments would be, why are you saving this bee that only likes this one freaking plant out in the middle of the desert? Well, you do it for multiple reasons. You want to save the plant. If you want that plant to live, that bee has to live. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or whatever insect is pollinating that plant. Usually they're pretty plant-specific. So if that insect doesn't exist, that plant won't exist. Um, many plants have medicinal or other purposes human mm-hmm. beings can look at and use. Um, so there's a future biological hope aspect to 
to saving animals of like, mm-hmm. hey, this could have the cure to cancer in it. You just don't know yet. Yeah. Um, or, you know, certain airplanes are designed off the shapes of birds. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they, like we imitate imitate nature quite a bit in what we do and build, and that's kind of important. So that's a a part of saving endangered species along with holding an ecosystem together because you don't know what else is going to die once that one thing yeah. dies. Have you ever played Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's actually a very fun uh, game night thing and especially now that you know we're past like our, our, our binge drinking days and we don't you know get naked and run across walls or streets or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, never happened. Um, from a friend? From a friend. I heard from a guy. Steve, yeah. I bet. Steve, I bet you yeah, had some Steve pretty crazy would do nights. that for sure. Crush a few beer cans on his Steve head. Steve would do that. Yeah, going streaking through the quad. Or wait, no. Through yeah, the gymnasium through the, to the quad? Yeah. Yeah. The quad yeah, yeah. Anyways. Old school. Old school. Old school. Um, so uh, uh, six degrees of separation, basically what it does is it shows you, you know, that there's like not much difference. The people that you know know the people that you know. And and like, right. for for example... Do you know anyone in your family tree that is a famous uh, movie actor person? No. Okay, I do. I'm actually related to Angelica Houston. I don't know who that is. Uh, did you ever see the um, the Adams Family? Yes. The the ones from our time, from like the 90s. Yep. Okay. Uh, Morticia Adams? Yep. That's Angelica Houston. She also does the voice of several... She's a, she's a voice actor now. Mike related to Angelica Houston. Yeah. yeah. She's my grandmother's sister's... Like grand something okay. daughter, distant relative of distant mine, relative is what you're saying. Uh, there's okay. like if I showed up on her doorstep, she'd call the police. But um, <laughs> fact is, we're biologically connected, and it doesn't take. Oh, that must be the Uber alert. Uber. I got some Uber eats. Um. All right. Well, Mike goes and grabs his food. This is a little Uber eats because he's a chunky little monkey. We're gonna. Uh, I don't know how to describe this, but enjoy. Hey, Mike. Hey, Chris. How do you keep a skunk from smelling? I have no clue. You plug its nose. <laughs> <You're just laughs> <terrible. laughs> uh, hey, Chris. Mike. Damn. You hey, Mike. Seen... I was answering you. <laughs> Hey Chris. Hey Mike. You ever seen an elephant hiding in a tree? No. It's because they're so damn good at it. <laughs> uh. Hey Mike. Hey Chris. What do you call an exploding monkey? I don't know. A baboon. <laughs> hey Mike. Hey Chris. What is the difference between a hippo and a zippo? that lights things on fire. One is really heavy, and the other's a little lighter. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> hey, Mike. Hey, Chris. What do a shark and a computer have in common? I got nothing, but They both have megabytes. Hey Mike. Hey Chris. Why couldn't the lizard get a girlfriend? I don't know. Dude. 
because he had a reptile dysfunction. All right, our Chunky Monkey Mike is back, so uh, let's continue. Two, two more two more big points that I want to um, talk about. One, when I was an EMT, uh, we had to address the potential value of a human life versus another. And it was a really hard moral ethical topic that we had to discuss. Critical ethical thinking. It was yeah. really bad. And, and there was a lot of people, a lot of tears shed. Even in, it was just a little community college class. And people were in up in arms about this. So I can't imagine how this statement's going to come out. But oh, yeah. No, you're good. Is there a value to critically looking at endangered species that we are funding that maybe we shouldn't be funding anymore? Because when, when you have a guy who has his, both his legs chopped off and he's bleeding profusely... Or this uh, human that this uh, this other you know person, uh, this other guy who, you know, he has um, uh, his his humerus is broken, the the upper arm, the bicep, that bone is broken. Both of those people are in great grave danger oh, of right, dying. Right, and in but, a perfect world, you'd save you'd both. You'd save both, but in a real world application, there's no way to save both of them, and one of them has a significantly higher chance of survival. Right, and so that's the person you triage. You 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 have to prioritize your patients and, right. and focus on the one that has the better chance of survival. Are we doing that right now? Um, we don't do that well under the current Endangered Species Act. Um, we spend money where money can be given, basically, and 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 they're all fighting for money. It's it's every scientist that's working on an endangered species is fighting very hard for money. It's not a it's not like they're not trying. Um, but obviously the ones that get the good public perception are going to be the ones that get good money funds the the ones you haven't heard of the snails, the slugs, the insects you know, some ugly ass bird you know, Mm. no one's ever seen or cares Um, about it's not cuddly right, or a cactus there's a cactus out in the desert that you know, a little pincushion cactus that's three inches tall and three inches wide you know and it's endangered right and it's endangered and there's only you know a couple hundred of them out in a little patch somewhere out in the middle of the desert stuff like that yeah we should prioritize better uh we don't do a very good job of that i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna put you on the spot here where do you think the biggest waste is right now what, oh, are, we, what are we funding you'd have to give me some time to to look into that i don't know to okay. be honest with nothing you. off the top of your head nothing sitting on the, su- the cuff of your sleeve nothing when i was in college for me it, we learned about the um California condor <laughs> projectile very eight feet dude. right very important for our ecosystem to be honest they, they, they clean up our ecosystem I get it um, not that there aren't vultures where they live but you know other uh, birds that eat right <laughs> um, and, and I, I remember reading a study in college that we were spending some couple million of dollars a year basically sustaining them and <laughs> if we stopped they would die um, okay. and i know they're alive today so that's a lot of fucking money spent <laughs> that's a lot of money. um and i couldn't tell you how much money we spent they are important to our environment they're a giant beautiful bird i it's, don't know if beautiful is the word i would okay, use maybe not beautiful. it's a giant bird it's gonna get a lot of love and public affection it's gonna get money should it get as much money as say um some insect that's pollinating a plant that's gonna create you know that plant plus that insect plus maybe a bird to go extinct 
Eh, maybe not. So but triage that we need to <laughs> right, do here. Right, right, right. Maybe not. Maybe we should give that creature more funds. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah. Good talk. Good talk. There you have it, folks. Chris hates the California condor. Here, we join our sharp clawed associate, Steve the Sound Guy, delivering his rhetoric on the most severe creatures known to men. Episode of Steve's Metal Ass Animals. This week, weighing in at half a gram, measuring two inches long, known as one of the greatest palm pillar in the world. Some people know them as Pepsini, others know them as the Tarantula Hog. Tarantula hawks are one of the most metal species of insect on the planet Earth. The female tarantula hawk stings and paralyzes the tarantula. It drags the tarantula, which is much larger than it, back into its hole. It plants its babies inside the tarantula, and it lets the brood feed on the paralyzed tarantula can't move but he can feel every ounce of pain when the eggs that are inside of the tarantula hatch the larvae feed on the tarantula but they avoid the main organs because they need to keep the thing alive for as long as possible it lasts them a couple weeks Finally, when the larvae become wasps, they emerge from the spider's abdomen and continue the life cycle. Meanwhile, the male wasp is just sitting back. He does not hunt. Instead, he feeds on the flowers of the milkweeds, soap bear trees, and mesquite trees. Male tarantula hawks have been observed practicing a behavior called hilltopping, which is when they sit on top of plants and watch passing females ready to reproduce. Females are not very aggressive towards males in that they are hesitant to sting, but the sting is extraordinarily painful. Tarantula hawks are known to have the second worst sting on the planet Earth behind the bulletin. And if you think you're safe, guess again. These things are found all over the planet Earth. As a matter of fact, in the United States, there's 18 species of Pepsis and three species of Hemipepsis. Lucky for humans, they're not very aggressive. You really gotta fuck with one to have a stand. But yeah, what a hardcore animal, and that's why that makes this Steve's metal ass animal of the week. Thank you, Steve, for that very well informed dictation. Let's go back to Chris and Mike as they regale us with their most recent summer adventures. Hey, Chris. I went on a dope vacation last month. How was that? It was pretty sweet. I went to Alaska for my first time. Alaska? Alaska. First time. First time. Summertime? In the summer. It was last month, yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep, it's hot as shit here in Arizona. Yep. It was not hot as shit in Alaska. It was like mid-70s. It's part of the Arctic circle if i'm not mistaken not where i was mm. yeah 
sign up a lot? Um, it was. It didn't go down until probably about ten o'clock at night. That's absurd. Yeah, came up at five. Have you ever met an it was Alaskan weird. native? A couple. They're weird. Yeah, and I think that's why. Because they just too much sunlight half the year, and then not enough sunlight the rest yep. of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Got to get all your vitamin D. Yeah, I say in. not enough vitamin D or too much vitamin D can mm-hmm. really mess with you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's why you get paid to live there. Weirdo Alaskans. Mm-hmm. So how was that trip, man? It was fantastic. Yeah. Met some good Alaskans. Some good Alaskans. <laughs> Didn't meet too many. Took a weird cab drive <laughs> when we were in Ketchikan. Uh, Ketchikan. Ketchikan, yeah. Catch-a-can. yeah. It's a little tiny spot. We used Alaska. to play kick a can. Kick the can. Kick the can. Back when we were kids. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Hopped in this cab to go fishing. Um, he wasn't taking us fishing, but he took us to the dock, you know, to go fishing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've ever met a cabbie that was like, hey, you want to go fishing? Uh, so, dude was in full camo. Like, military? Uh, yeah, yeah, but like, different, like. Oh, okay. okay, okay. Yeah, like, military, but not. I mean, he told us the way he just introduced himself is like, hey, my name's Craig the Jarhead. And we were just like, all right, this is what kind of ride this is going to be. I just want to, like, vomit. He had, like, a red man. beard that was, like, as long as yours, but, like, as red as your shirt that you have on. That's absurd. Yeah, and I he had like his that. little boonie hat on, his little his little camo boonie mm. hat. Yeah, big old tattoo on his arm for mm. his, like, a military-esque tattoo. It was actually a cool tattoo, but... Mm. Yeah, dude. Not a fan. He was, uh... He was Stop. very upset that it was no longer a logging town, and that it was now a tourist town. That was, like, his chief complaint? Yeah. As he's driving tourists around in a cab? Yep. To go fishing. Yeah, this was our first stop. <laughs> <laughs> not enough vitamin D. Yeah. Dude definitely did not have enough vitamin D. Or too much, depending on the time I mean, of year. It sounds like he was a ginger, so he yeah. probably stayed inside no matter what. Yeah, he had no soul for sure. Mm-hmm. So I hear from a friend. So you go fishing? Yeah, yeah. I went salmon fishing, caught some salmon. It was great. I had the... One of the best times of my life, salmon fishing. Um, but yeah, Alaska in general, most beautiful place oh, I have ever been. Absolutely. Been to Anchorage literally uh, a handful of times. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Every time, every corner you turn, it's a waterfall and yep. a beautiful view yep. and cliffs yep. and fjords. Well, uh, we went up there fjords when you're in the States, bud. No, there were. No, no. I don't know if they're called fjords. I think they're just like, I don't know. like They are called fjords. No, no. There are fjords in Alaska. Don't take no. That's appropriating my culture, and I don't appreciate it. Appropriating my culture. I am Nordic by descent. <laughs> I have a disease called Vikings disease. Okay. I pillaged and plundered in a past life, or something. Yeah, I might go f- yourself. Yeah. Hey, brother, <laughs> Mike. That was the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Y'all need to hurry up with this f- vacation bit. It's getting really old. F- you, Steve. <laughs> Steve, um, but yeah. so so you go and visit these not fjords. Yeah, up the Tracy Arm Fjord, and we saw a uh, beautiful glacier. Okay. Whales galore. Whales. Whales. There were an insane amount of whales, and then I took two on the on the. We took a cruise, which I'm not the biggest cruise person ever. It was only my second one. Yeah. More of a, I'm more of a get out in the dirt and do it yourself. Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Guy. But the yeah. cruise was fun. Well, I mean, it's kind of um, hard to get out into the dirt and do it yourself when right. it's the ocean. Yeah, in Alaska. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. A desert's just... Or wait, no. The ocean's just a desert with a life underground. We took a very cool 
we had a naturalist on board, and he works. He's been with a couple National Geographic filming and some mm-hmm. some other things and some colleges and, and um, um, he dealt with, he deals with whales primarily. Um, so we did a blue whale or not blue whale a humpback whale talk with him, and we did an orca whale talk with him, both of which are phenomenal. Okay. Um, if I had as much energy about anything in my life as that did, guy did about whales, it um, would be we, yeah yeah oh success out the butthole yeah. Yeah, yeah, it yep. was nuts. He, Blackfish, dude. He literally like had the cra- he had all the ladies in the crowd do a um, do do the female orca call. When was that sound like? I don't remember. I just remember him basically jizzing on the stage. Like he, his whole body shook. It looked like he was orgasming. Wow! Everybody in the crowd did a whale noise. It was intense. Wow! I was laughing. Wow! Very hard. Yeah, I wanted to when be. You, when you do something, I guess for twenty years, oh, you I mean, become enamored with yeah. it to a level that I. We'll talk about how 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 real out of biologists and PhDs do. Once you're at the PhD level, you're weird. You're weird. You're a weirdo. You like one topic enough to dedicate that much time a to doctorate it. Too. You're you're weird. That's so, just how it is. Do you think this guy like when he like goes out to the bar and like picks up on chicks and like brings them home? He's like. Make whale sounds for him. Well, he was married. His wife was actually there. Do you think she makes whale sounds for him? I'm not going to say there's not role playing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get that little fishy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You look like a juicy seal tonight. Yeah, let me spread my bubbles all around you. Yeah, something real weird. (laughs) Yeah. Do I have one blowhole or two? I got teeth. I got teeth. If you uh, understand whales, you get that joke. So I mean, that means they only have one blowhole. Well, that makes sense because I only have one blowhole and I have teeth. Right. It was a sexual innuendo that I'm yeah. now explaining, and it's no longer. You know, you beat funny. a horse to death. It's no longer. We That's going to be something delivery. we do. We're going to beat horses to death. Let's keep it moving, brothers. Are you? Didn't you enter into a PhD program? No, I'm not like you know a PhD. We explain why you're so weird. Getting a master's degree. Okay. It's a little different. Than people. We're at a lower level. I'm not... Still on the cool scale? <sighs> Look, I can't dedicate my life... I'm going to buy you a pocket protector for Christmas. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> so these whales that you saw, one blowhole or two? Orcas? Orcas. Humpbacks? Humpbacks. Yeah, okay. humpbacks have teeth. So okay. they have one. I thought humpbacks had the mesh cater. God damn it, now i got to look this shit up. They, they, they eat plankton? No, they eat krill. No, they they eat fish. No, humpbacks. You know, I do know some things about uh, some whales. I do. Uh, I don't want to hear about your ex girlfriends, Mike. <laughs> Definitely seen my land. Get him, brother. Thanks, Steve. Uh, <laughs> uh, spermaceti, right? Spermaceti. Spermaceti. That's a thing. It comes from sperm whales. It's like an oil, like a viscous oil uh, that comes from the uh, noggin section of the whale, which, for those of you who are not familiar with that very scientific term, it means head, uh, their skull. They carry this, like, chamber with, like, um, uh, like a couple gallons, I think, of, um, or a couple pints, excuse me, of uh, spermaceti, and that's what people used to light candles with, and or lanterns and stuff like that. It had a bunch of it was like a snake oil, but primary use. I know, like you can do whale oils, like whale fat. You can get it down to the oil. And... Oh yeah, this you didn't have to. It just like you could split the skull, and it was right there. It was like opening up a, a coconut almost. 
Pretty crazy. You know where I learned that one? Very uh, uh, factually accurate book called Moby Dick. Moby Dick. Yep. Yep. That guy Man. goes into so much detail. Sad story. I had that book. Hmm? Read it all the way through except for like the last three or four pages. Lost the book. Wow, man. Never finished it. Now I'm going to get you that for Literally our, never, never finished for our, it. our birthday. Yeah. And that was in like sixth grade. That is a rough book, man. It was. When you like, like, he puts me to sleep on a freaking pagely basis. Yeah. Like, I got, yeah. like, I have to take like Adderall to read that book. Books back in the day? Not. Not fun. Not very fun. Nope. To read? Nope. There's no like. <laughs> pictures. Right. Yeah. Where's the pictures? Uh, so there's a blowhole thing. Yeah, blowholes. And humpbacks. And humpbacks. We're trying they to figure out. Teeth? I knew they do the bubble net feeding. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how they trap fish. Yeah, because they can't swim through bubbles. And then bubbles. they come up through the fish. Mm-hmm. And they eat the fish. Mm-hmm. That's why I thought they ate fish. I'm going to keep saying fish. Fish, fish, fish. Well, I know some things about... Uh, oh, yeah, salmon fry. So, I mean, if they're eating fish, they got to have teeth. There's this thing. Uh, orcas. Now I feel bad. I don't what? know. Just keep trapping you, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> keep putting my little bubble net around you. It's okay. Uh, I love the getting out of this bubble net, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Hey, brothers, the humpback whale has baleen plates, not teeth. And you're putting a bubble net around this damn show. Hurry it up. Uh, so, orcas are also known as blackfish. Yeah. And I only well, know that because of documentary. the movie Blackfish. Yeah. 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 Uh, pretty fucked up. It was. I yeah. learned a bunch. So when I when I first saw that, it was like 2013. Yeah, you think they would have stopped by now? You think they would have stopped? But <laughs> what happened was is is the people who put that documentary together, um, took cherry picked statements from the people who had who had made those statements and had uh, constructed a um, a documentary that showed the very dark side of orcas uh, in captivity, and the people who were interviewed spoke out not long after the blackfish documentary uh, aired and and was uh, made available and what they said was we said those things like absolutely we said those things you can't deny it because there's they're on video but they're saying but there was a whole nother side to what we were saying about how SeaWorld was treating these animals with respect and care and love. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it was really a matter of misunderstanding. It was misinformation. We it didn't have... purposeful misinformation. Right. We didn't have... And now there's studies where we follow... We now know that, that orcas have a, a matriarchy um, from, you know, grandma down. Mm. Uh, we know that the males rely on that matriarchy mm-hmm. um, to, to basically do anything in life. They, they literally listen. Like they have they to ask permission. Yeah, they beckon at every call to the female. So you can't just have a male. It'll kind of freak out and go crazy. Mm-hmm. That means you can't really have a female either. It's a dominant. Yeah, it um, needs something to... to right, so you, there's a, it's just a tough situation, man. And they travel so far. Um, they're very territorial. Um, they're like literally the most majestic animal on the planet Earth. You know that they hunt, like adolescent uh, orcas will hunt great white sharks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they kill they sharks. They eat their livers. Yeah, they kill sharks. Um, they hunt um, baby humpback whales. No. So, yeah, they will they kill... They hunt other whales. Yes, they will kill a humpback whale to eat it. Uh, it's surprising. That's young, such a... smaller humpbacks. That's yeah, not like, like a you're big not going humpback. for a large humpback. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, they eat a lot. They have a pretty wide variety of diet, and it depends you, on where they're at. So, would you call um, them an apex species? Oh, they are the apex predator of the of the ocean. You think so? Oh, you think they're the top of their top food chain? Top of the what? food chain. They're what eats an orca? Not me. I'll yeah. tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not much. Yeah, I don't think anything eats an orca technically, but um, yeah, top. They eat everything. They eat every shark. They eat. Well, not every shark, you know what I mean? They eat sharks, yeah, yeah, they eat yeah. whales, they eat fish, um, they eat seals. Yeah, I've seen um, the seal thing right. where they, they take the three, three yeah. of them and blast past an iceberg. And they're cool because depending on what family and like region and territory you're in, they have different hunting tactics, they have different lifestyles, they have different cultures. Um, they almost seem to understand human beings versus, you know, things that are native to the ocean so they can like um, identify that we're not right so the theory is that when whales jump out of the water um scientists have noticed that when they roll so they'll do the jump and the spin when they spin um i don't remember the percentage with orcas but i remember with humpbacks um the naturalist was telling us that it was 90 percent of the time the orca um, the humpback will spin with its eyes facing you and they are pretty positive due to that correlation that it that's it's, it's it's like trying to do research it's trying to look at you it's trying to see what you are so it'll come out of the water yeah to see hey what is that um and curiosity because of how do you how else would you explain why it would roll with its eyes facing you 90% of the time so yeah. no matter what side you go on it's going to keep rolling yeah, yeah, yeah. that direction you know I saw um, this uh, I saw this like uh, it was like a PSA uh, poster for like what to do if you're the first person to encounter aliens which it's really good if you, if you <laughs> it's really good it makes you think and whoever wrote it I think put a lot of energy into it right yeah 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 uh, it's very funny too. It's, it, there's a lot of like uh, almost satirical humor to it, but I think it actually is a pretty good game plan. But one of the things it says is like showing curiosity in your environment is proof that you're an intelligent creature. And it sounds like whales are starting to do the same thing, or at least you know now, have been doing the same. I'm thing quite convinced that killer whales have like a pretty. There's many cultures that are very spiritual around killer whales, mm-hmm. and like literally, like that's mm-hmm. that's like gods a lot of for them. Like Inuit folk up right. in the Alaskan region, right, right, right. Whereas there's a very spiritual belief in killer whales, and I think it's because the killer whales have like this understanding of humans. Um, so the way you, I don't even know how to say this on the podcast without sounding like a terrible idiot. So we're gonna wing it. Uh, just go swing. There's the something fences, about but... there's something about the folds in a human brain and how it looks at a human brain and, and how those folds react and, and how much brain power you use and there's some correlation mm-hmm. between that and how oh how, yeah yeah how the you more do critical I actually thinking. know this one yeah the more folds you have the more capable right. of critical thinking right um, so killer whales I I'm like even afraid to say this out loud to sound like a fucking idiot but my understanding is killer whales are, are their brains. Are, are formed in a way that they are obviously critical thinkers and they are obviously pretty intelligent beings. Well, they can problem um, just solve. Just based on their, right, they can problem solve very well. Um, so just based on the, their brains that we've studied that we mm. think. Mm. Uh, You'd think that yeah, there's some oceanographer, so oceanography student out there who's like, I just learned this and you're a fucking idiot. It's this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, just totally blasting We wing it. It's there. It's, it's out there. Yeah. No, we do reptiles. You think, I'll tell you. You think, yeah, we're, you know, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you think that something that was so intelligent, and this is what really blows me away, something that is so intelligent and such an apex creature, uh, black on top, white on bottom, if I'm not mistaken, so yes. that it can blend in with its environment better. Yep, yep, um, yep. So how is it that they're not 
mad raging on us every chance they get. Why aren't they like angry at us? Yeah. My, again, I'm gonna go back to like quoting the naturalist on our cruise ship. Seems like a really intelligent guy. <laughs> yeah, he seems smart. Though. Other than the weirdoness, um, that he was. Um, Touch my blowhole. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Move it the fuck along. What was the question? <laughs> what? Why are whales? This is, this, is, this is like a thing that I've always wondered: is why are orcas not? Um, mobbing on humans. Why? Why do I mean? Oh, I, oh yeah, I yeah. can't even recall a time that I've heard of an animal I don't, attack. Like yeah, that. yeah. So the naturalist guy was telling us. Um, I need to know his name. <laughs> so bad. Guy. We're gonna call him the naturalist guy. The naturalist guy. Um, he was telling us that um, there's only been two known attacks on orcas to humans, and um, both of those instances, the orcas were already feeding on fish, and they were already in mid hunting pattern, right? Um, and, and the person would jump in the water to kind of film this or do something with it to view this mm-hmm. hunt mm-hmm. Um, and would get into the middle of it as opposed to um, staying like a clear. safe viewing distance. Yeah, Almost like sticking, like covering your hand in rat smell and sticking right. it in the Right, and cage. so he was telling us that if they would get bit by the, the whale um, and then the whale would literally drag them to shore or, or close to a shore direction and release them and then just go back feeding. Like it, it knew... It could tell Instantly, the distance. That the was a person, and it should not be here. And it would get it away and go back to feed. Dang, man. That is intelligence. Dang. Yeah, that is intelligence. It's and almost that, a sign of compassion. Right, and that happened to both both attacks. You know what I mean? Like, So both times that... We should find some volunteers from Area 51 to um, just oh, kind of toss that. in there. Yeah. Like, just see what happens. Like, that should be the punishment when you get, get on a, Yeah, salmon suit and yep. jump on just, in. Toss them right in the ocean and see what happens. <laughs> I imagine we're going to have good results. Yeah, same, man. Uh, I think, you know, there's probably a lot of people that would sign up for that. But yeah, oh, man. The whales were the coolest thing ever. We did a whale washing thing while we were on the cruise. Um, these two humpbacks, the boats aren't supposed to go near them. I forgot what it was, 100 meter, 200 meter distance. Uh, that you have to stay at all times. But we shut off the boat because we saw them out in the distance. Mm. And they were feeding. And then all of a sudden they turned and they came right at us. And they went right under our boat. And about 10 feet or 15 feet on the other side of the boat, they came up. And there was three of them. And they just fed. And then they went back down. And it was like one of the coolest. Like they they trapped the the salmon on the side of the boat. Yes. I don't know about the side of the boat. But they were whatever they were chasing, they they literally brought it up to shore. So when you see humpbacks Mm -hmm. um, feed, they they feed differently too based on territory. But... um, a very common one is where they all go up together and they all pop out of the water um, and then they go back down. And usually that it's like a hierarchy as well, or matriarchy, whereas like the middle whale is usually the lead whale. That's the whale in charge of getting everyone organized. Mm-hmm. It's the one that pops up in the middle of the groups. Um, so, yeah, it was a really cool experience. You just saw all these whale heads pop out, go about five, eight feet up in the air, feed, go back down. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. It was pretty sweet. We got some cool whale action. I bet Mike gets a lot of whale action. Fuck you, Steve. Interestingly, did you know the blue whale has the largest beard splitter in the animal kingdom? For the true anchor of tonight's show, it's Dr. Bill with Dr. Bill's Lectures. Take it away, Doc. Hello, everybody, and welcome to lectures and conversations, but mainly lectures with Dr. Bill. I am your host for the night, Dr. Bill. I hope my audience is doing well. 
I'm gonna let them cheer on today's subject, the Endangered Species Act. All right, all right, let's calm all down. Gotta get on discussing about this. Can't be too slow. We all know that the Endangered Species Act was signed in 1973. But did you know that the very first rendition was in 1966? That was called the Endangered Species Preservation Act. Then again, in 1969, they gave it a second try with the Endangered Species Conservation Act. The issue with the very first two attempts of the act they did not involve any type of habitat protection, nor any type of applicability. They gave no guidance on how to do things. Now you guys might say, well, it was the first attempt, Dr. Bill. How would they know? I would tell you, damn Skippy, that's why third time's a charm that we came up with the Endangered Species Act. This time they got it right. They designated critical habitat and they provided definitions when a species is threatened or endangered. From a government standpoint, it is one of our most far-reaching environmental laws ever passed and it has an effect on many government agencies. So far, over 1,400 species are represented as endangered or threatened. Even being one of the most widespread laws out there, it does lack funds. Unfortunately, due to the high demand being over 1,400 species, they do not have the funds to spread throughout. Even in the world of science, the Endangered Species Act is highly controversial. It has not been changed much at all since 1973. It's only had five amendments, and about three of those were worth a damn. The most recent one that even had an impact was in 1988. The one in 2004 and 2005 just allowed a little more military play on critical habitat. The act simply does not keep up with the science that we are learning about endangered species. And we've known this for over 20 years. In 1992, Michael O'Connell, a conservation biologist, wrote in the Journal of Conservation Biology, quote, While we now know that a species-based approach to biodiversity conservation falls short, an ecosystem basis has not been incorporated into the ESA very rapidly. End quote. There are other issues with the ESA too. The ESA outlines that the main tools to promote species recovery are funding, recovery plan development, and critical habitat designation. Funding happens to be the largest issue, with the second largest being critical habitat designation. And, as we all know, Congress moves rather slow. Therefore, it's tough to get much done through the government side. This has been outlined in many studies. In 2012 in the Plus One Journal, Catherine Gibbs, David Curry, wrote an article, Protecting Endangered Species, Do the Main Legislative Tools Work? And they came to this conclusion, quote, one must conclude either that these tools are not very effective in promoting species recovery, or as we suspect, Species recovery data are so poor that it is impossible to tell whether the tools are effective or not. End quote. The last issue to discuss is how long it takes to get it done. By the time a species is listed, it's already threatened or endangered, and now you're trying to spend money on it to get it back where it should be. 
rather than nipping it in the butt before it happened. With proper wildlife management in place, you can avoid these issues. We just need to put more funds into monitoring the situation. This would help hunters, herpers, anyone who likes nature. This will benefit literally every citizen that goes outside. To sum up everything I've been trying to tell you guys from the start, the Endangered Species Act is rather important. But god dang it, we need to change something soon. We can't keep letting this shit happen. Everybody likes to talk about it getting depleted or cut or slashed. It's already slashed. We can't get slashed anymore. For heaven's sake, it needs to be doubled or tripled to be doing anything effective. It'd help us all. I don't really see the issue with it. That being said, it needs to be improved on quite a bit. It's not effective enough. Science has outran it by a country mile. We need to make like a jackrabbit and catch the hell up. But anyways, that was my lecture. You got any conversation? Nope, no conversation. All right, have a good one. This has been another exciting episode of Son of a Niche. Tune in next week to learn about more unbelievable topics such as hunting ethics, zombie deer, and the meaning of biscumber, along with a very special interview featuring Canadian singer-songwriter Sarah McLaughlin. From everyone here at the studio, we would like to remind you, love your niche. Good night. Hey everybody, it's Chris here. If you made it through this far, thank you for listening um, and dealing with our shenanigans. We're going to keep doing this. Uh, we're pretty new at this, so we're going to be playing around with the mold. But hopefully you guys keep listening and enjoy and tell people about it. And uh, have a good day. Bye.